Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We have been now pretty much from the beginning of the year. So we're into our fourth month, second quarter now. And we have been taking a look at different principles. Uh, you turn to 2 Timothy. Guys in the back, I didn't give it to you, but Aaron, if you could pull up uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses uh, 1 through 3, or Matthew chapter 15 for me in the New Living. We've been taking a look at principles, concepts, elements of the Word of God, and uh, we've been spending some time reframing, if you will. Sometimes things need a, a, just a good adjustment to remain in alignment. Um, it's not that we have steered away and taken a hard right turn and just said, I don't like this, I'm going to do this. But slowly over time, we divert. Slowly over time, we variate. We, we, we have various uh, uh, words or various, as we'll hear here, traditions that we develop that over time are maybe unnoticeable, maybe simple, uh, maybe even innocent diversions. But over time, we become further and we find ourselves further and further away from the authentic, raw material of what is the word of God. And in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1, Peter is addressing the Pharisees, and he says some Pharisees, or I'm sorry, Jesus is addressing some Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? You know, you might think your tradition is old. You might think, well, we've been doing this for a long time. But let me tell you something. God's been doing what he's been doing much longer than we've been doing what we've been doing. And if you want to value your tradition on, well, I've done it for this long, or this is all I've ever known, or this is how it's always been, God is like, let me tell you how it's really always been. <laughs> And let me show you where you've diverted. Let me show you where you have gotten off. He says, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus' response is, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandment of God? And so we've been taking a look at this uh, element of how we can develop man-made concepts or ideas that were not in the heart of the Father, not in the plan of God, not in his original intent and purpose, and we can treat it as the word of God. We can find ourselves valuing our traditions, our ideas, our ideologies, guys, even our opinions. I just tell you right now, our opinions do not deserve our allegiance. Our opinions, if you have greater allegiance to your opinion than you do to the word of God, meaning if the word of God shows up on a situation and it confronts and challenges your opinion of something, it ought to be your opinion that bows, not the other way around. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus refuses to bow to our ideas and opinions. It's just not happening. The only option that we really have is to repent. I heard someone say it this way. If it rubs you the wrong way, then turn around. Go the way. Go, turn around until it rubs you the right way. Does that make sense? Why? Because Jesus is not bowing and lowering his, bowing and lowering his standard. He's not compromising on his uh, agenda. He's not going to uh, submit his mission to our idea of his mission, to our methods, to our ways of doing things. And Jesus was confronted with a moment with the guys that were supposed to be the religious leaders. They were supp supposed to be the ones that were upholding to the highest degree, but even with the heart that says, I want to honor and I want to please, if we do it from the wrong position and from the wrong heart, we'll find ourselves in direct violation 
to God's word. Not serving his mission, but resisting his mission. Find ourselves directly opposed to the very thing we believe we support and promote. And so we've been looking at different concepts over the last several weeks. We looked at lordship and the value of lordship and, and, and redefined lordship. We've been saying this, that the kingdom is the framework that the entire word of God needs to be put in. And when you understand the kingdom, it makes everything else make sense. Lordship is of higher priority than savior because if I honor his lordship, I wouldn't need a savior. If Adam and Eve would have obeyed God in the garden, they wouldn't need Jesus to come to the earth and save them from their sins that they had never committed by honoring him as Lord. But I don't understand that if I don't understand the kingdom of God. Secondly, we saw the concept of repentance. We looked at that two, uh, two weeks ago, the week before Easter. The concept of repentance means to change your mind. It literally means side with my party. When you understand the kingdom of God, it's more than just saying I'm sorry or showing remorse or regret for an action. It's literally turning away from the way I'm going and moving in the way that he's moving. And not only that, not only, see, we've limited repentance to just the core piece of how it corrects my sin. But you know, there's much more about our lives that needs correcting when it comes to the kingdom of God than just sinful activity and behavior. And so there's a shifting of perspectives that now I no longer just see things on a natural level. I can now see things on a heavenly level. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth below. That's repentance. And so I find myself not just using repentance as a one-off event to get me in the kingdom, I use it as a daily practice, shifting my eyes from the earth to heaven so that I can bring heaven to earth. So now I can see the supply that heaven brings. I can see the wisdom that heaven brings. I can see the resource that heaven brings. I can see the power that heaven brings. Many of the things that we're confronted with today that we think are challenges, if we would repent, we would find that they're not just oppositions, they're actually opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. But it takes seeing things differently. We think that we would change if I could see something different. And God says, no, maybe you just need to see something differently. The same situation, the same trial, the same circumstance, but look at it through my eyes. Look at it through my lens. Get your eyes above. Look down from my angle, and you'll see it much differently. Amen. And so if you've missed those uh, two services, you definitely want to go back and grab those, lordship and repentance. Today, I want to look at the word of God in the framework of the kingdom of God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says in verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He says, number one, you've been, you have learned, and number two, you've been assured of. You've been made confident. Verse 15, and that from childhood, there it is, you have known the holy scriptures. Why wouldn't we afford our children an opportunity that maybe you and I didn't even get? Why wouldn't we even, why wouldn't we, I mean, I, I was raised in a Christian home and a Christian family, but man, there's things that I didn't know as a child that I know today that I can give him a head start on. That he can pick up on and that he can see just even the, the, the revelation that has occurred in my lifetime. And guess what? There's things that he'll, be, he'll get as he's older that he'll pass on to his generation. From your childhood, Paul writes, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means no scripture was given by inspiration of man or the devil. All scripture leaves room for nobody else. All scripture given by inspiration of God. It's profitable 
It's profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We usually like about three out of four of those, and you can give you one guess which one we usually like to skip over. You know, there, there's different meals that I've eaten in my lifetime that when you find out the ingredients that are in there, I'm not too keen on. There's one ingredient I'm not a big fan of. There's a bunch of ingredients I'm not a big fan of, but one in particular is sour cream. Do I got any sour cream fans? Sour cream fans, yep. So with, without the hands, I saw way less hands up than down, so I, I know I'm in good company let me see all the non-sour cream fans. What, y'all, y'all hiding out on me now because some of y'all just decide not to raise your hand for nothing. They said, if pastor asked me to raise my hand today, I am not raising my hand for nothing. I'm gonna leave my arms folded right here, pretend like I'm cold. Not a sour cream fan. And there was one time, I don't remember what it was, but someone had made us a meal for the church, and I got about halfway through that thing before my wife finally let me know. You know, it's got sour cream. What? What? What'd you say? What's up in this thing? I, I can't. You know, it's in it. It's not on top of it. Some of y'all like the big old spoonful dollops. Just throw it on there, going down the line at Sercheros, right? They take that spoon and they just slap it on. It's like, oh my god! Just the way they even put it on there is disgusting. Man, alive. Now I hate it even more. You just slap it on there like that. They don't do that with ketchup and mustard, just slapping it on there with spoons. They, they nicely squeeze it through the bottle and makes the nice fine line and they wiggle it out there. Yeah, that's disgusting. The second she told me that, my palate all of a sudden changed. I've already eaten half of it and been talking about how delicious it was until... You might not like the ingredient, but when it's all put together. You might not like the correction, but when it's all put together. But there are plenty of believers today picking out, like pulling the lettuce off of a, off of a burger. I don't want that on there. Pulling the onions out. I don't like that on there. Pulling the correction out. Just give me all the stuff that makes me feel good. All the stuff that tells me how awesome I am. All the stuff that tells me even while I was a sinner in my sins, Christ came and died for me. Hey, that's a true statement. But you know what? He came and died so you could abandon sin altogether. Not just live free from its punishment. You can live free from its power. You know, there's a difference. I don't even have to live subjected to it at all. And so there's parts of the word that people have gone through over time and we just pick and choose things. I don't really like that tongues thing and I don't know about all this healing business and I don't know about all that prophetic stuff. And, and so we just got this, uh, you know, vending machine of Bible. Which one do I want today? Uh, C7, chink, chink, pull out what I want, go through the buffet line. Now he says it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. And this is what verse 17 says. What's the product? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Anybody want to be verse 17? Come on. Complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what the word of God does for us if we see it the way God sees it. And so as we've been covering, uh, it's easy to take all these elements, uh, anything that I bring out in scripture and redefine it down to my level rather than causing my eyes to see what God sees. We need to understand the word of God. We need to have a value for the word of God. Matthew chapter 13 shows us that there is someone that values the word. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19. This is the parable of the sower. And in the very first uh, example that Jesus gives us in the parable, you remember the seed that was sown by the wayside, right? 
on the hard, stony ground. He defines it in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, everyone say kingdom, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. The wicked one comes. One translation says the wicked one comes, the enemy comes immediately to steal, to snatch away. There is one that values the word. Not values it in the sense to align with it and obey it, but values it in the understanding of what the power of it can produce if it is taken in, received, and understood. Y'all with me? The enemy, Satan, right now, right now, he's doing what I just read. Will the seed that I'm sowing this morning fall by the wayside? If so, he's going to come in immediately to snatch up. He's not even going to let you get to the parking lot. He won't even let you get through these doors. The one that falls by the wayside. The enemy's coming immediately to steal, to snatch away, to pick up what does not fall into soil that receives it and does something with it. Now, you know, there's three other examples. The seed that falls among thorns, the seed that goes down, but, but when, the, when it starts to come up, it gets burned up by the sun, and then the seed that actually produces a harvest. And in the other two uh, ineffective, unfruitful examples, at least they received it initially. It says both times they received it with joy. This is your receiving moment right now. You need to receive the word with excitement, with joy, with value. If you aren't receiving it with honor and value, falling asleep, hello? Everyone just perked back up. It's like, I don't even want to look like I'm falling asleep right now. Thumbing through Facebook. Moving around, I'm calling it all out right now. I'm not saying any of those are illegitimate, but I'm saying that sometimes we don't give as much effort and intention. This is what I do know. When you want something bad enough, you'll pay the price. You'll pay attention. You'll do what needs to be done. Huh? If you want it bad enough, I have sat through some movies where I thought my bladder was about to explode all over the movie theater. Get that soda away because I'll just, I'll just, without even thinking, keep drinking. It's like, what am I doing? But I will sit through this. I'm not missing a moment. I paid. I waited in line when you used to have to wait in line and do all that, right? You've been, this is the night it came out, getting at the movie theater at 12 o'clock on a Thursday night when they used to come out at midnight. Anybody remember those days? Is that the 90s? Early 2000s? I don't remember. It's been a while. Now you can get your ticket and you only have to stand in line. I mean, y'all missed all the fun. You stood in line and talked about the movie all, I mean, it was good stuff. Ain't no way I'm getting up and going to the bathroom. I don't care what it costs me. A kidney stone. <laughs> A hospital bill. I'm going straight from the movie theater to the hospital. What happened to you? I sat through the movie. I could not get up. Why? Because you want it bad enough. You do not want to miss There's an enemy waiting for you to miss. He's just sitting back. It's like, let's see if they honor this. Let's see if they pay attention. Let's see if they give ear. We'll see if their soil will receive. So he knows, okay, they received it with joy. I got a little more work to do. I can bring trials and tribulations. If trials and tribulations don't work, then I'll get them with deceitfulness of riches. But if we don't even get that far, he says, I'll pluck that up before it even makes it in the ground. It doesn't make the seed 
of any less importance. It doesn't make the sower ineffective or not good at his job. It's on us as the soil to be breeding ground for the word of God. To receive it and says, nothing's gonna make me miss. Nothing's gonna distract me. Nothing's gonna get me off of this. I'm laser focused. And this is the danger with discipline, especially those of us that we come in every Sunday, every Wednesday, every conference, every revival, every meeting, every seminar, is we can lower the value while increasing the activity. A lot of times, increase in activity means lowering of honor. We have to be ones that can increase the activity and maintain the value as if this was the first time that I ever came in here or might be the last time I ever had the chance to do this. That's honor. And if we don't honor it, the enemy will come and he will pick it up. He did this in Genesis chapter 3. We've gone here a lot, I think almost every single week, because Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is such the, 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 the formidable foundation that we base the kingdom on. And the enemy worked this way from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, here it is, has God indeed said, everyone say said, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What is he doing? What is he challenging? What is he questioning? What is he provoking? What is he opposing? The word of God. We've been saying this, I think, almost every single week. The enemy asks questions to get you uh, to conceal truth, to hide the truth. But look at what he's questioning. Look at the object in question. The word of God. And this is what he does with us. He may be the most cunning, but he's still the most stupid because he's using the same bait as he did from the very beginning. The same MO. Has God said? Has God said? Has God said? Has God said? He's questioning God's Word And he's trying to get an an image. He's trying to get a pulse, if you will, on their recollection of God's word. Because it's not, God's word can only do for you based upon what you do with it. If you forget it, if you don't value it, if you deny it, if you don't believe it, if you question it, if you attach your opinion to it, all these things weaken the ability of the word of God to work in your life. It doesn't weaken the word. It just weakens its capacity to work because it works for those who believe, works for those who practice, works for those who apply, works for those who live out the word. We're not weakening the word itself because all it takes is a moment of believing again and it's right back to its potential to produce in its life every promise God has given you. That's why uh, Jesus looked at the, uh, uh, the religious leader Jairus and said, don't be afraid, only believe. The believing empowers the miracle, empowers the word. Daughter, rise but I need a believer. I need a believing person. These signs will follow those who what? Believe. The believing is what what draws on the power, the potential within the word of God. Well, God's sovereign. He'll do whatever he wants to do. Sure, but he's already outlined what he will do. Like we don't have to question this. His word is his will. His word reveals how he, I want to respond to sickness and disease the way Jesus responded to sickness and disease. I want to respond to demons and oppressive spirits the way Jesus responded to demons and oppressive spirits. I want to respond to storms and calamity and destruction the way Jesus responded. I want to respond to the devil the way Jesus responded to the devil. That's the word working. The word works. 
I said the word works. But you see right here, verse 1, Genesis chapter 3, he sees man, he sees woman, and he asks the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's coming in questioning. He's coming in denying. Even if it's just a question that offers denial. The enemy will challenge the word in your life at all costs. The enemy wants to provoke your questioning. He wants to empower your denying. He wants to power your disbelieving, unbelieving, I don't know, but my grandma. I mean, the enemy will... Well, this is the thing about denial and unbelief is you'll never be short of examples to support their positions. (laughs) You'll you'll, you'll never, it'll be reasoned. It'll be justified. Guys, sometimes you'll even look like the smartest one in the room while denying the word of God. You'll look like the one that's got it all together while the one believing God at his word is the complete lunatic. Come on, 12 spies went in, two came back with a good report. They were way outnumbered. Five to one, 10 of them came back and said, and they weren't using, we're afraid, obviously, we're too afraid. No, they were using what we would call today wisdom. It's not wise for us to go. I mean, it's a massive land. It's too vast for its inhabitants. We can't rule over that. There's giants in the land. We're not equipped. That would not be the wise thing to do, Pastor Moses. And they look like the smart ones, while Caleb and Joshua look like idiots until... Paul looked like an idiot one time. Uh, There's a storm coming. You're a prisoner. What do you know? He's talking to the owner of the boat. He's talking to a Roman centurion. And he's talking to the captain of the ship. Three men that are way more highly qualified to be manning this boat and taking it somewhere than a prisoner named Paul. No, an angel showed me. Uh, it looks perfect outside. You're crazy. No, I wouldn't do it. And then, of course, he does. Uh, they go out. Storm comes. They come back to him. What do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. And Paul threw in a little, I told you so, on top of it. You don't get to say I told you so if you never told you so. Sometimes you got to speak up when it's when you know it's going to get shot down. But I'm only going to speak up so that when we enter the storm, you know who to come to to get you out of the storm. So I'm just going to let you know right now. I wouldn't do it. Bad idea. But you do what you want to do. This is the word of God. This is the dependence and reliance on the word of God. And so the enemy wants nothing more than to cripple your belief in the word dismantle, we see a dismantling of faith happening today, and especially under uh, uh, against our young people. They're raised up in Christian schools. They're raised in church. They go to a secular college like one that we have right here in our own community, and their faith is dismantled in two weeks. Two weeks. Because they don't have a foundation. They had a practice. They, they had activity. I was in youth group and I helped out with this and I did that, but they didn't have a firm persuasion within themselves. This is why I believe what I believe and nothing will move me off that. I've seen him move time and time again. And they got it. You got to have history with the father. You got to have history with God. You got to know what he's done in the word. You got to know that he can still do it today. And you got to be resolute in that. But a lot of us, we're we're getting challenged. And on the first challenge, we're walking away. On the first challenge, we're denying. On the first challenge. No, it should be of a greater foundation than that. And it may be as something simple and sly as 
and cunning as, has God really said? And of course, the woman said to the serpent in verse two, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And right there, the enemy knew, I got you. Because her recall of the word was not in line with what God initially spoke. God never actually said anything about not touching the fruit. Guys, this is why at Anchor Faith Church, we maintain such a high value for the word of God. Because the enemy is working through some ministries. Come on. I said he's still up to the same old tricks. Now, the serpent was more cunning. Guys, he's not showing up to you in a tight leather, uh, red, uh, a red leather suit with horns and a pitchfork saying, I'm the devil, big bad devil, I'm going to come and destroy your life. Wolves in sheep's clothing. There's a cunningness about it. There's a deceptiveness about it. There's a, there's a, a trickiness about it. Because you would deny the guy in the red jumpsuit. But will you deny someone that's just instituting, well, maybe God is withholding something from me. Maybe I won't surely die. It's just the little questions. Now, again, we've talked about this. Questions aren't wrong. But the heart of the question is not, should not be to deny and question the Father. We've literally got ministries telling us this today. God welcomes your questions. God welcomes your doubts and your unbeliefs. No, he does not. He literally says, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can speak to this mountain, it will be moved and cast. Do not doubt is literally in the Bible. Now, if you have a question because you want to know more, if you have a question because you want to grow, that's different. But questions like, ah, you know, I don't really know why he would do it that way, or I don't know how, the, but I still love him, I still serve him, I still follow him. Now, you're going to become easy pickings for the devil. Picking off, because seed is fallen by the wayside. It's not able to create the foundation, build the foundation, lay the foundation, let the seed go into the soil so it can bring back a harvest. No, we need to be more resolute. You know, it's no wonder in a day and age, in a culture we live in today, that we struggle with the things that we're struggling with in our society. All, all the mess, you name it, I'm covering it. But we also have the most biblically illiterate generation this planet has probably ever seen. You know, commands were given to people in the Bible to honor the word, value the word, obey the word, abide by his commands, meditate on the word day and night. Then your way will be successful and prosperous. Do not let it depart from your mouth. And they didn't even have a Bible. They didn't have physics. They didn't have what we're doing right now. We have more than any planet or that this planet has ever seen, any generation has ever seen. An abundance of riches. More Bibles than we know what to do with. More churches than we know what to do with. More podcasts and more radio stations and more TV stations and more televangelists and, and, and the word. I mean, they didn't have Gideons in the Bible. They were, they're passing out what was being written. The access we have, are we doing better with it than they did? He told Joshua in Joshua chapter one, meditate on my word day and night. Meditate on my word day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Not just look at it and meditate on it. Talk about it. Say it. Rehearse it. Recite it. Memorize it. Over and 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 over again. That was a command to Joshua. And only five books had been written by that time. 
I know it's convicting, but when you put on a kingdom lens, it changes everything. There's two ways we can read the word. There's two ways that we can read the word. One is disciplined. Disciplined is just the basic, consistent, daily reading. It can seem tedious. It can seem monotonous. It can seem uh, like it's of no value, of little value. I don't even need you to ask, your, uh, ask you to raise your hands, I know, because I've done it myself. You read the word and it's like, I got nothing out of that. That was the bland. That was the bitter. That was the harsh, maybe. What does that even mean? But there's something about getting the word in your spirit. There's something about the activity of being in the word. I am not, uh, uh, hear me today, we are not devaluing or diminishing the role of being in the word daily. It creates activity. It creates uh, uh, a connection with the Father. You need to have a relationship with the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's connection. That's relationship. Not easily severed or broken. There needs to be a discipline, daily regimen of being in the word. Some people are afraid of discipline because they're afraid of becoming religious. I've heard people tell me that. Well, I don't, want, I don't want to lose the importance of it. That's in your heart, not the activity. That's in the heart. We should never be afraid of having some consistency developed in our life because we're afraid of being super spiritual or super spiritually you know, grown or mature. You know, being grown up, be, being mature as a believer was not just a recommendation in, the, in, in, in Paul's writings. It was an expectation. By this time, you ought to have been. By this time, you ought to receive. By this time, I ought to be able to teach. By this time, you ought to be able to teach. But you're just babes in Christ. You have failed to grow up, failed to develop, failed because of a lack of the value for the word of God. So there's the disciplined. But then the second way is the inspirational. The inspirational is when you need something specifically for a certain situation. I tell people, you know, if you're battling or you get a report or something's going on physically in your body when it comes to sickness, you need to get healing scriptures. Do you know there are scriptures on healing? There's a bunch of them. I have a hard time convincing me God doesn't heal when there are so many scriptures on health and divine healing in the word of God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their diseases. What do you need to do? You need to get pumped up on something's going to help you in that situation. If you're going through a financial crisis or a financial issue, get the words of God's promises and God's word over your finances that you uh, have the glory, uh, you have riches to, according to his glory. Come on, that he'll provide for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. If it's anxiety, if it's worry, whatever it is, the word of God has an answer for all of it. And then sometimes we get really good with the word of God in certain arenas, but we're not as good with the word in other arenas. Some people uh, in here, you, you might be really good with meat. Physically speaking, naturally speaking. You love your meats, your chickens, your steaks, your burgers, your porks, whatever. But you're not really good with your fruits, not really good with your vegetables. No, we need all of it, don't we? We need a good diet of the word of God. Why do we ensure, fight, that our bodies get three good meals a day and we get one small snack a week spiritually? 
And your spirit man, your spirit man needs to be fed. So there's those times where we have the inspirational times where I'm going for a specific thing. I'm going to receive a specific thing. Let me tell you something. The inspirational is empowered by the disciplined. Most believers don't even know where to go in the middle of a crisis. Let's just tell you right now, in the middle of the storm is the wrong time to be working on the boat. (laughs) You don't build build the boat in the storm. You build the boat for the storm. I mean, I know testimonies in this church right now. They had the boat built way before the crisis showed up. Now, when the crisis showed up, man, did it rock them? Did it shake them? Sure. Like, man, where did this come from? Where's this attack? I know some people in this room, you've had attack after attack after attack. But every single one, I was able to look in their eyes and say, you know the word, you know the word, you know the word. You've been built, you've been fed, you've been developed, you've been given the word, you know what to stand on. Now I'm gonna help you recall that. I'm gonna fortify that within you. We're gonna strengthen our belief system in the word of God. Here's the scriptures we're gonna pull out. These are, this is what we're gonna stand on. And we stay with the word. But because they had a daily regimen, a daily habit, a disciplined lifestyle, being in the word, connecting with the heart of the father, they knew instantly, this is my position. This is where I'm standing. This is where I'm going to be. No, you want to be prepared for these things. People asked us three years ago how we handled, you know, the whole pandemic, COVID, all the crazy mess. I said, our church was not a product of what happened in 2020 by what we did in 2020. We were a product of what we did in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and 2016. We prepared ourselves for this. You didn't know exactly what was coming, but we know this. Trials and tribulations will come, may come, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We put our faith in something else. And then we lock in and become resolute with that. The enemy came to question the word. The enemy came to challenge the word. Well, in Matthew chapter four, we see another instance where the enemy came to question and challenge the word. Matthew chapter four is the account of Jesus being tempted by the devil in the Wilderness, after he received the Holy Spirit, verse three says this. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now you say, well, he's not exactly questioning the word. Well, he is because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word made flesh dwelling among us, right? What's the first thing the devil comes to pick off, to challenge, to question, to bring doubt to, to oppose the word of God? And Jesus responds with verse four. He answered and said, it is what? Can you say it is written to your situation? Can you say it? Can you respond with it is written? By his stripes, I am healed. Can you respond with it is written? He's given me the mind of Christ. We just did that right here with Charlie taking a test last week. And we prayed, didn't we? Right here, Wednesday night. That you have the mind of Christ. We bring up the it is written. When the enemy comes with, I don't think, I don't, you can't, you won't, he won't. It is written. It is written. It is, it is set in stone. You can't undo all your challenging, all your questioning, can't undo what he's already said. His promises are firm. His promises are forever. And he is faithful to perform what he has promised. You can't do that if you don't know the word. You can't do that if you can't pull inspirationally if you don't have the discipline. Jesus said in that moment, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but he says by every word. He talks, I live. He speaks, I live. Because he speaks, I live. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I need to cruise on through this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We ended up, 2 Timothy chapter 3, with Paul admonishing Timothy to be a studier of the word, to value the word. It is what makes us complete for every good work, fully equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Then he starts off the next chapter, verse uh, chapter four in verse one. And so he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure, here it is, sound doctrine. Notice he doesn't say they will not endure doctrine. <laughs> he says that they won't endure sound if there is sound doctrine, then that means that there is unsound doctrine. If there is a true doctrine, that must mean that there is a false doctrine. Ever heard of a false narrative? We've heard a lot about that recently, haven't we? The enemy loves false narratives. It's a headline that is used to deter you from the truth. And the enemy uses these, employs these at, at willingly over us. He says they will not endure sound doctrine. They will endure a doctrine. He goes on to say, but according to their own desires. Isn't that what Eve got in trouble with in the garden? Her own desires when she saw the fruit and was desirable to make her wise. She took of it and ate, right? Yeah. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, come on, this is crazy. This doesn't even make sense. But in the last days, it says, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Guys, we're not gonna have a shortage of teachers in the last days. We're gonna have an overabundance of teachers. Teachers that people have picked and chosen that align with what they already believe, not coming in saying, confront me, challenge me, show me in the word where this is at. I want to be resolute. I wanna be firm. I wanna be steadfast in this. This is what the word says. No, it says that they will actually heap up. That means they're still listening to the podcast. They're still going to churches. So not only has the enemy stolen the rich, authentic, raw word of God, he's also now replaced it with an inauthentic, fallible, unproven. And why do you, by your tradition, violate the direct command of God? He doesn't just take the word out and then you start living for the devil. He takes the word out and replaces it with something that looks like the word, feels like the word, sounds like the word, but is not the word. And you think all along, I'm doing the word. He's deceptive. We've seen this. He's tricky because they will have itching ears. So it seems to me, if we back this thing up, the issue is they don't endure sound doctrine, number one. Number two, they value their own opinions and desires. Number three, they have itching ears, which leads to them heaping up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears, verse four says, turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Where did it all start? Not enduring sound doctrine. You know, we have a generation today that doesn't want to endure sound doctrine. I mean, not in here. I, that's why you're here. I understand. I'm talking to them. No, we, we, this is where it starts. I don't 
endure sound doctrine. What's that mean? I no longer show value and honor for the word. A lack of honor, I'm one step away from accepting a word contrary to the word of God. I'm one step away. If I can't endure his word, if I can't endure the correction, the reproof, the rebuke, the exhortation, if I can't endure, you know, Jesus said in the parable in Matthew chapter 13 that the trials and tribulations came because of the word. Many people don't fall away because they quit believing this. It's just because of the opposition that comes because I believe this. I can't withstand that. The enemy's constantly trying to get people to move off of the word. We must maintain a value and honor for sound doctrine. If I don't, the next thing is I'll replace it with an opinion that sounds really good. From there, I'll develop itching ears. I need more of that, more of that, more of that. And guess what? You'll find it. You can believe just about anything and somebody has already created doctrine or a ministry or a program to support what you believe. And you know what's crazy? Is they'll use scripture to back it up. Isn't that crazy? You know, sometimes it boggles my mind the way God did things. Like you just gave us, it's like giving someone a fully loaded weapon and not knowing how to use this thing. Because if I'm not careful, I can use this to judge people. I can use this to slap people. I can use this to question God. I can use his word against him. And I'll have it highlighted and starred and underlined. And yet not be any closer to the father. Because I didn't endure sound. It, It tells me that sound doctrine will take some endurance to stick with. He goes on later on and he says this, but many will fall away. Not able to endure. Stick it out. That's what endurance means. Endure means means to run to the end of a course, to persevere through, to put, you know, there are times you will have to persevere to stick with the word against everything that's coming against you. Man, we need a generation that will endure sound doctrine. I'll wrap it up here. John chapter 10. Worship team, y'all can make your way this way. John chapter 10. Verse one, Jesus is speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. It says, to him, the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Here it is, for they know his voice. They hear his voice because they know his voice. You think, well, I would know his voice if I would hear his voice. Not true. The knowing comes before the hearing. How so? Because many people say that they want to hear the voice of God, but they have no value for the word of God. And so when the voice of God speaks, they're not familiar with the word of God. And so they can't respond to the voice because they don't know the word. You want to hear the voice of God? Get really familiar with the word of God because the Holy Spirit will never speak out of alignment with this right here. 
If you don't have a value for this, forget about audible voices and prophecies and angels and visions and all that stuff. And if it does come, it will come to probably rebuke you and set you straight. You say, well, in the Bible, people that weren't godly people had visions and dreams. There was no Bible and there was no Holy Spirit. They were at a major deficit. Do you wanna live like them? No, you've got something greater than all of them. You've got something greater than David. You've got something greater than Abraham. You've got some, Abraham made a meal for the Lord and you still got something greater than Abraham. You've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, bearing witness with your spirit. And you've got the book, the whole book, front to back, that's infallible, irrefutable, undeniable. This is where your assurance should be. This is where your confidence should be. This is where your reliance and dependence should be. Not on man's opinion, not on what happened before, not on what sounds good. No, in the kingdom of God, a citizen's learned to value the word of the king. Let me give you five things that the word of God does for the believer. Five things real quick. I'm not gonna be able to expound on these. I'm just gonna have to give them to you real quick. Five roles of the word of God in the life of the believer. Number one, his word is his law. Every nation has laws. Now the laws are not just rules of what not to do. By telling you what not to do, you also understand what you get to do. The enemy wants to sway that and say, didn't God really say you couldn't eat? Yeah, but I mean, I get to eat all the other trees from all the other trees in the garden. God doesn't give rules to limit you and subject you. He gives rules to keep you from things that are damaging and harmful to you. This is what the laws do. I gotta go quick. They establish the values of the kingdom. Every law inherently establishes a value. Do not murder because we value life. Ah, can't, can't get there. It reveals what the king likes and dislikes. It reveals what the king loves, but it also reveals what the king hates. What the king accepts and what the king rejects. Now here's the danger. Culture should be dictated by laws. But we live in a world today where laws are now dictated by culture. Because when something is tolerated, it becomes normal and whatever becomes normal eventually becomes law. If you tolerate sin, you normalize sin. And pretty soon, sin will actually be the law. And if you attack the sinners or the ones that are out of alignment, now you're the one out of alignment. Let me just say this real quick. I, I, gotta, I gotta get this out. Might need to have part two next week. God never intended for us to live by a written law. In the garden, there was no go to the book and it'll tell you what to do. Have y'all ever heard of the term spirit of the law? Hold on, guys. I need to get this across. Have y'all ever heard the term spirit of the law? See, see we, we, we take religion. We, we, and religion has taken laws and they beat people over the head because they've lost the spirit, the heart of the law. God wanted us to live by customs. Customs are what we would call unwritten laws, unwritten rules. That it's just known, this is how I operate. This is what I want to do. This is my plan for you. This is what I have in store for you. This is what I want you to abide by. This is what I don't want you to live by. If you follow the unwritten rule, you won't need the written rule. 
But then the written rules showed up, and we began to take the tablet. We began to take the Ten Commandments. We, we began to take the law and the cutting up of this and the offering of that. And if you do this, then you get this and all this. And we made that, 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 we made that the traditions of man that Jesus came and said, now your traditions are violating my commands. You're violating the heart and the spirit and the intent of why I put it there in the first place. Jesus was constantly trying to get us back to the heart of the matter. You say, if you sleep with another woman while you're married, you've committed. I say, if you even look at, it's the heart. I say, if you hate your brother, you've committed sin. You've committed murder. And then Paul gets us back in Romans chapter 8. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. We can now live according to the law of spirit, of life and peace. The spirit of the law. Get back to the heart of the matter. Not the rule for the essence of the rule. What is he really trying to say? What's he really trying to communicate? Laws were designed to help us understand who the father is, what he wants, and how we can carry it out. Secondly, the word is our constitution. I'm going I'm to have to do this next week. So I'm just giving you a little precursor. I got to get into all of these. The word is our constitution. You know, our country has a constitution. Do you know what they are? You know all of your constitutional rights and privileges? And this is the thing is... The law empowers the Constitution. If I don't abide by the law, I don't get to receive the benefits of the Constitution. Yeah? You know, there are people in this country that cannot carry a weapon, even though we know that that is a constitutional right to bear arms. But they have broken the law, and they have forfeited their right to carry arms. His word is our constitution. Number three, his word is our foundation. His word is our foundation. Number four, his word is, a, is our guide. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. His word is our guide. Number five, his word is life. It's the DNA of the Father. Would you stand with me? Let's just take a moment and just thank him for his word. Thank him for his word. Have you thanked him for his word today? Have you thanked him for his word this week? Oh, Father, we thank you. We worship you. We honor you. Every word you speak, every word you deliver, every word you've written, every word you've spoken is for our benefit. It's for our growth. It's for our development. It's for our understanding of the heart of the Father to know you more, to know you better. Oh, Father, forgive us. We repent now for allowing your word to become the thing that actually separates us from you by creating traditions and opinions. Father, we get back to the essence of what your word provides, of what your word can do, of what your word shows us about you. Father, your word is everything to us. We live by your word. We breathe by your word. We're alive because you speak. Your word commands us, directs us, instructs us, corrects us, challenges us, encourages us. Father, we receive that today. We acknowledge the power of your word. We acknowledge the capacity of your word to work in and through our lives. And as we honor it, as we value it, as we take hold of it, Father, I thank you. It produces great and mighty things. All of the promises of your word are fulfilled in those who believe and adhere to it. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. 
And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.